So we're going to start in Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Hey, ladies, come on in. So we're just getting started in Genesis 3 when you get comfortable. Hey, I don't blame you. Three. Genesis three. And I'm going to start reading out of the English Standard Version. This one says, The Fall. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And, God, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is it you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring. And her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Between your offspring and her offspring. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plant 
the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living, and the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now least he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So one of the questions, and before we get started, you know this is like an interactive opportunity. There can be no shy people. Remember, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So when those thoughts just come to your mind, you just open your mouth and ask or state whatever you want to state. I told Kim before, and I've said to this group, I'm not the leader. I'm just the facilitator. So everybody's a leader. Everybody has knowledge, and you should speak up. One of the questions I had, and there were many, you know, when you read this passage in the Old Testament, there are so many things that pop in your head. Um, Like when there was one part where um, he says, uh, it's like God is talking to someone else. You know, now they will become like us. And I was like, well, that means there wasn't us then. You know, it wasn't just God then, but... You know, that's not our thing on discernment, but it does bring up a lot of questions. I think when you read especially these first chapters in Genesis, I think they're so interesting. But the one question that I did have was evil around at creation. You know, you wouldn't think there would be evil at creation, but there had to be evil, right? I mean, do you ever think that? When did evil come? When did evil start? When was there evil? But how? why would he have made a tree of the knowledge of good and evil if there wasn't evil, right? And Satan clearly was there at creation. So, you know, I think, well, when when, when did Satan come about then? If that was the very beginning creation and Satan was around at creation, so I think there had to be something that happened before creation. Do you all think like that too sometimes? For the tape recording, they're all nodding their head up and down. <laughs> we got. There's also a tree of everlasting life. I couldn't even go there. Yeah, because they didn't know any better. They hadn't eaten from the tree of good and evil yet, so they wouldn't have known to go to the tree of life. I guess. Anyway, I think that when you have the knowledge of good and evil it enables you to knowingly choose evil. And so, you know, I wanted to look back at, at Eve and kind of what brought all of this about. How did she even get herself tangled up with Satan? Here was a woman that walked with the Lord every evening in the cool of the evening. There she was walking with the Lord. How in the world did she get herself tied up with Satan. You know, why did she not see what that was? So when you go back to verse 1, 
It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal the Lord God made. So this one says any other beast, any other wild animal the Lord made. He puts a question out to Eve. Is that what God said? Okay, he might as well have been going like this with his fishing pole. Is that what God said? You know, you know and it gets her thinking. Um, I don't know, wasn't that what God said? And, but she adds to it. Because I went back and I looked, you know, in any translation, did it say, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, in any translation, does it say not to touch it? I think Adam added that in, actually, because I actually looked and I didn't really see that God said that to Eve. What I saw was he said it to Adam, and then after that, Eve was created. Have you guys looked at that any to see it? Does that make sense? Kim's over there skimming. <laughs> so what I saw was, the serv- she adds in, God says, nor shall you touch it. Well, he didn't actually say that. And so it's kind of what I've said all along. You need to know what God's word says. It is easy to be deceived if you're taking secondhand information. So let's say Adam told her, hey, and God said, don't eat from this tree, and you know what? You better not even touch it. That's kind of what I'm imagining he's saying to Eve. Don't you even touch it, because you might eat from it, and God says don't eat from it. Um, do you see well, anything? It doesn't say anything. He doesn't tell him not to touch it. He says you must not eat from the tree of knowledge, good and evil, from then when you eat of it, you will surely die. Does he, even, does he say that to Adam and Eve, or just Adam? Because if you go down a little further, if you're in chapter 2, I think it says... So he, uh, when I studied it before, too, I, I saw the same thing, that he didn't say it to Adam, but it makes me wonder if it was also that Satan does it, because Satan is a master of lies, and so he was just adding to it. Could be. But she didn't go back. I mean, she's walking with God every night. Surely she could clarify that. You know, I think if I was walking with God every night, better be careful, huh, Susie? <laughs> you could be walking with God and fall into a trap too. But So I guess my fir- my, the first thing I think is know what God's word says. Don't take it secondhand. You know, if something is pricking at your ear like, eh, I don't think it was exactly like that, you have a responsibility to go back and look it up. You go back and check it. You pray about it. You ask about it. And I don't care if that's Billy Graham or Pastor Jim or if that's Kim or that's me or who. You should know the word of God. You're not going to fall into traps if you know the word of God. So the second, go ahead. I don't see any other time that she was addressed directly. She was never addressed directly. So she's getting it from Adam. Right. So it's like. Right, don't you even touch it, because you might mess it up. Don't touch it. Um, Then, so we go to verse 2. I got to back up a little bit here. So then she says this to him, not to even touch it. Um, So Satan, you can see all along, he's subtle in his questioning. He's casting doubt on what God has said. And you could probably think back in your own life, how many times has God caught, 
I can tell you, I can think of a like, real clear example where, you know, Satan's just cast out. You know, I told you all last time about my drinking wine. You know, Lord, more of it goes into the spaghetti sauce. You know, it's just a little bit, Susie. Just a little bit. It's good. It's medicinal. You know? And it had nothing to do with my problem with alcohol. It came down to, a, I think, obedience. Susie, are you going to obey me or not obey me? You know? And I think that you have the choice to not obey or the choice to obey. And I know... For years, I argued with the Lord about this. Lord, you know that's just tying us up in legalism. You know, that's just, and you know that I don't really even hardly drink a whole glass. You know, I put it in the spaghetti sauce mostly, Lord. But you know what? If he's telling you something, it comes down to obedience. You know if the Lord is saying something, if he's speaking something to your heart. And if it lines up with what the word says, now you have a choice. But Satan will subtly question you whether or not you really heard what you heard. Um, Verse 4 and verse 5, I love how he does this. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Kind of like, oh, come on now. He uses the word surely just to deny God's word. He questions God's righteousness. He questions God's holiness. So if you feel like you're hearing that, questioning God's righteousness, questioning God's holiness. Try to look where that source is coming from because it probably is the enemy. Um, the fourth thing I wrote down was the, serp- the serpent substitutes his words for God's words. Um, when you go through, you know, and they'll, they'll be close enough to the truth God knows that when you eat of your, your eyes will be opened, you know, like it's a good thing. And you will be like God, knowing good from evil, where God said, you will surely die. So he takes and he substitutes his thoughts for God's thoughts, his words for God's words. And he will do it in Genesis, just like he will do it in Lakeside, Arizona. He will do that to you as well. Mm-hmm. And he knew to respond to Satan with the word of God, and he knew it confidently. Where she's saying something, and then Satan's making her doubt. So one of those discernment things to me, a lot of that is, if we don't know the word of God, how can we truly fight Satan on what he's saying? Um, I agree with you. In fact, I wrote down some place. Um, but this was kind of a while back that I, I kind of went through and, and, and I did that whole kind of correlation with when Jesus was in the wilderness. So it's kind of the same thing with Eve. Um, so I said the same thing. He responds to us with scripture. First, he says, offers Jesus the bread. He's appealing to the flesh. So when we look at this passage you know, he's as well, um, he is, he is um, appealing to Eve's flesh as well when he says, let me go find it. You know that you're, you're going to, your eyes are going to be opened. You're going to, the, um, 
It was delightful to her eyes. The tree was desired to make her wise. So he, in, with Jesus, he was, says, you can have all the kingdoms of the world. He's appealing to, her, to his mind. The same with Eve, you know. You're going to have your mind opened. You're going to be smarter, wiser. Same thing. No, he tells Jesus, throw yourself from the temple. He appeals to Jesus' righteous side, religious side. And the same with Eve. You know, he tells her the same thing. You know, you're going you're gonna to be um, like God. Then you're going to be like him. So he appeals to that part of her. And it hasn't really, really changed. He hasn't changed his tactics. Today, he might be trying to appeal to your flesh. You know, he might be trying to appeal to your mind. He might be trying to appeal to your religion. The tactics are the same to get you to start following something that's not true, to follow a, fault, a falseness. And Eve was really unable to distinguish between truth and error. She had no discernment in that area. You know, Satan just reeled her right in with the things he knew he could reel her in with. And it left her with a false understanding. And so many times, I mean, we can see it in our world today. And I kind of went through and wrote out some things. I'll touch it on it a little bit later on you know, some of the ways the enemy does deceive us now. I read this quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says, discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it's telling the difference between right and almost right. You know, because something can sound almost right. And isn't that true? Like with so many false religions and doctrines, there is a strand of truth that will go through them. But denying God and his holiness and his righteousness, trying somehow to make it be part of your holiness or your righteousness and making it sound like it's okay. So I want to stop right there with all of that. And I want you to just kind of talk to somebody near you and say what's one thing that, that's you guys, that's you guys, that's you guys. You turn around, you guys talk to her. And kind of what did you pick up from that? What is something from that that you either is, yes, I knew that, or I have more questions on that? So I'm going to give you about three minutes and 42 seconds to do that. Come over here, Corley. You be my partner. Well, I was looking at it on... Um where it was saying that you will be like gods. That's what that's what Satan wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to bring us down to his level, you know, instead of being discerning and going with what God has asked us to do. He's like, yeah, he's trying he's he's the one, you know, if you if you eat it, you'll be wise too. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Then you can be like God. Yeah. So you he know? was like putting on them what he wanted for himself. Mm-hmm. And then what was the question? How? Yeah, just like, is there something, um, a question you still have? That's what you've picked up on, but a question that you still might have just on what we've read so far. I was thinking how you 
said was they're evil and that kind of stuff. Well, before in the spiritual realm, isn't that where Satan and God were having the fight? So before creation was the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. You know, so there's evil has always been. Well, I guess it hadn't always been because he was his angel, his top angel. But the. But the where sim- do we get that from? Where does it say he was his top angel? It's, it doesn't talk about it. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't. Okay, if you've been the one that's talking the whole time, you say to your partner, "Your turn, friend." yes you can go back and forth what I'm saying is somebody doesn't get to just be quiet everybody has to share (laughs) right so you know and I I would wonder that would be my question wondering about that about how you were asking where did sin come from if you know because think about it even how it says when you're children you don't have to teach them to be bad They, they just it's inbred in them All right, you've got about one more minute. Or 32 seconds, whatever comes first. And try to be thinking about something profound your neighbor has said so that you can share that. You just wait. Yeah, but you're good. No worries. Snowflake, though, do you? No, I went to lunch with a friend. And oh. I'm coming home. There's a brush fire on the side of no. 77. Then we get the slow people. All righty. We are ready to wrap her up. Who had... I'll start. Because Corley was my partner. So I asked you to think of something in there that you were like, aha, that's interesting. I, that is either something I knew or something new to me. And then if you had any questions... So Corley said that she thinks Satan put on Eve the things that he wanted. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be um, the person, you know, that knew good and evil. He wanted to be top dog. What else did you say, Corley? Just that he wanted that, and so I was looking at it where it said he was trying to trick her. You, you, can, you can be like a god. Because that's kind of what he wanted. He put that on her. Anyone have anything, and I won't make you talk, but anyone who has anything curious, exciting, profound that your, the person you were talking with said? <laughs> or something that you may not have known. <laughs> or something you may not have known. Carla. No, you can explain it to me. Oh, good. What she? No, because I'm starting to be Move on. <laughs> Come on, Kim, tell us what you said. Well, we actually were talking about 
ideas and our all of our great knowledge. At the end? Yeah. Okay. Do you girls have anything exciting? I know. I know. See, that was what I saw. <laughs> yeah. All right. Pass it over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or how much Eve has gotten the blame when Adam was sitting there just as guilty as her, and she gets the blame. That I guess. <laughs> How about you in the back, ladies? Did you anything profound said? We're the quiet group here. Yeah, <laughs> the quiet group. Anything you girls had? I agree with what she said because my first thought, first of all, was I used to know this, but because I haven't studied it in a while, it was like, oh yeah, okay. But why, if Adam was the one that got the command directly from God, did he just give us a voice and he didn't even do anything to make her want to? And why didn't he have to deliver the babies? I don't know, but some days I'd rather work the land than have the babies. <laughs> right? And I think we're getting off track, but I always thought, if we had to have the babies, why didn't they have to breastfeed them? You know? <laughs> I had heard something back in my mind about the breakdown of what happened in their family at this point. Yeah. In that she wanted to be the leader, so to speak, and he allowed her to take that position. And that women will, will always struggle with that wanting to... Uh, you know, be the dominant person in the relationship. And, and there's nothing wrong with personality-wise. What I'm saying in that is that God did create that order in that he was to protect Eve, um, but she wanted to go her own way, and he didn't step up and protect her in that. Too. Well, and God said to her, yeah. to him, you listen to your wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knew better. Mm-hmm. He knew. How about this little threesome over here? What did you girls come up with? Anything profound? Nothing? The same. Same, same kinds of things? No, I think she has something over there. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, you have it? You gave me one. Yeah. Yeah. You gave me a better woman. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of their story. And if you were to say, you know, her lack of discernment, and I don't know, that's a. I think that's a good question. On did this take a longer period? That this happened pretty quick. I mean, it doesn't take much time for me to fall. I can I can do something I can not as much as I used to be but it still happens you know where you can fall and do something stupid say something you know isn't right do something you know isn't right it can happen pretty quick I mean it doesn't take long 
for me to do it. Um, but I did have that question. I wonder how long this will take. Did it, was it a longer period than what it seems to be? Um, so when I, then I went kind of back and I started looking at what discernment is. You can clearly see where she had a lack of discernment and how that came about. I mean, she walked with God every day, but clearly was walking, but not talking and asking questions and fellowshipping. Also, I would have been asking more questions, I would hope. Um, she took secondhand information and the things that Satan threw at her, she, he appealed to her flesh, he appealed to her mind, her wanting to be religious or being in charge. Same thing he'll do today. So if that's a lack of discernment, I looked at what is discernment? Why do we need discernment? And this is how we started out this study as Kim and I were talking. And I truly believe that it is a gift that we need more than anything else in these days. We need discernment. So when I looked at what it was, um, discernment was the ability to judge well. If you're looking at it in a Christian context, it's a perception in the absence of judgment with a view to obtain spiritual direction and understanding. So in a biblical sense, in a Christian context, it's, it's always a dis discerning what God's word is saying, discerning God's will, discerning where God wants us to go. You know, it's not discerning things of the world. It's, dis it's the gift that's used to discern the will of God. So I'm going to give us a couple verses. And I need some people to be looking these up. So Corley, I know you're not shy. So how about I give you 1 Corinthians 12.10. And um, Wendy, can you look up Proverbs 14.6? And let me see. Tammy, can you do... Um, Psalms 119-125. That's a really long book of the Bible, Psalms 119. All right. So people can easily be misled when they do not see the issues clearly or they're not thinking biblically. So Corley, do you have um, 1 Corinthians ready? 1 Corinthians 12.10. So this is where he's talking about giving the gifts. It said, to another, the performing of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, and to another, kind of languages. So, and mine says the same. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. And... So when you're looking at discernment, it's in a spiritual realm. You know, it's not only, would you agree with that? Am I saying this right, Kim? Your head's only half nodding. Say it again. That it's also, it's distinguishing spirits because you want to distinguish whether or not, is that a prophecy? Is that, you know, like spiritual things. It's like, writing spiritual things, right? 
Right. So when we when we want this, um, when we want to pray for discernment, we want to have this because it does act as a protection. So we are not deceived spiritually, um, and we're not blown around by different teaching, different doctrines. We know what the word says, so we're not easily tossed around when you have discernment. Um, it is an instrument for healing, being able to diagnose spiritual needs. So you want to be able to say, well, Kim, let's pray. And I always feel like the Lord's not going to tell me something. He's not going to tell you. You know, he's going to tell you first, and something I say may be a confirmation, or you may need to pray about something. But I could say, if Kim and I are praying, I feel like the Lord might be directing us like this. Okay? It's going to be a confirmation. I'm real hesitant to say, and thus saith the Lord to you, Kim. I'm, I'm real hesitant to say those kinds of things because I don't ever want to step in and say something false to someone. And so I'm cautious in saying that. But you know sometimes when you're praying, you can feel like, gosh, Lord, I really feel like you're directing us like this. And we're going to pray about that. So it can help you in those spiritual times um, to diagnose what the spiritual need is. I think it's also key to Christian freedom. Otherwise, if we're undiscerning, we can get caught up and enslaved to do in all other kinds of things. And it is also a catalyst for spiritual growth. If you're not discerning, you're going to struggle growing spiritually. Um, and I wanted to go back to that verse that Corley read, because I wrote it out in the Amplified. It says, And to another discernment of spirits, the ability to distinguish sound, godly doctrine from the deceptive doctrine of man-made um, religions and cults. And I think when we have discernment, you're going to pick it up real quick if something's not right. And I say, fact check everybody. And I think Pastor would say that as well. Fact check him. If something doesn't seem right, check him. Well, I can remember one time Gilbert, my son, he was like maybe seven or so, you know. We're sitting there listening to some Christian music, and it's the one where um, say, um, the, the Christmas song is saying that we're all sinners, you know. I, I can't think of the song right now, but Gilbert in the back say, hey, Mom, Mom, that's not right. He's saying that, you know, that we're all sinners, you know. And I'm like, well, Gilbert, we are, you know, and that's why we needed Jesus to. And Gilbert's little face was just like, oh, you know. And I've been trying. <laughs> so just, just even when they're young, and just teach them, you know, to discern. But if you don't know what the truth is, that when you hear it, you know, and then still he needed discernment. Even as a little kid, you try to teach him, but later on in life, you know, you, you get other parts to the, to the truth, you know? Mm -hmm. So just being, and that's what we need as adults to be more in the word, to be able to discern, you know, when we hear something, like she said, false doctrines and stuff, you know? And two, you get half the truth like, like Eve was, but, like, does that really line up? You know, and if you don't know, then ask. Right. That's another, another thing, you know, don't, 
Don't be embarrassed. You're like, oh gosh, I should know this by now, you know. Don't go with the flow and act right. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I see that. You know, and it's like mm, something's not right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when did I ask you to do proverbs? Were you doing proverbs? The mocker seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge comes easily to the discerning. Hmm. I like that. Um, so if we are if we're, I guess, mocking, you know, the mocker seeks wisdom, but kind of, I guess, wants it in their own way, you know, wants it their way. To, but if we're really seeking knowledge, then discernment is going to come easily, is the way I understand that. So how do you receive it? I just wrote down a couple thoughts, and I always go back to um, McGee. I, I really like his commentaries. He's like, probably, I imagine, I don't know what he looks like, but I imagine he's an old country Baptist kind of preacher that preaches straight from the word. And, and I like his commentaries because I feel like they don't wave from what the word says. So I'm sure a lot of what I'm going to be quoting to you in here comes from him. Um, and this one was one of them. How do we receive? How do we receive discernment? By the anointing of the Spirit, through our understanding of God's Word, our experience of God's grace, and uh, by the progressive unfolding to us the true condition of our hearts. You know, I think about how long I've been a Christian, or at least how long I've said I was a Christian, and really. It's taken years for truth to, un, to reveal itself to me. Not that God wasn't willing, but I wasn't willing. You know, and it has to be both of us. And that's where that growth comes in. You know, you're going to grow if you're discerning. And I kind of didn't want to be discerning. I was having fun not being discerning. And so I didn't have knowledge. But the more I sought out knowledge, it was a progression as to what unfolds before us. I'm sure you ladies that have been with the Lord and walked with him in the cool of the evening, day in and day out, you can look back and say it was a progression for me as well. Um, and then there can also be just that anointing of the Spirit where God is saying, stop now, do this now. You know, maybe it happens like that. Yes. Well, isn't that the one about the two-edged sword? No? Yes. Yes. Do you know where that's at? Okay. That'll, you find that, and I'll have Tammy reading Psalms 119. And I said, read it in the Amplified, Susie. Will you Susie. read it one more time, Tammy? Yeah, I, I am your servant. Give me understanding <coughs> that I may know your testimonies. Let me go to what I um, saw in the... Did I read the right one? What, did I tell you the right one? Um, gosh, I wonder if I didn't tell you the wrong, if I told you a wrong one. 
think I told you a wrong one because that's not the one I was looking for. Yeah, Psalm 119. Now, she read the right one. Oh, let me do this. Well, it sounded like it. It's like that if you're his servant, we should be asking for understanding. I wrote, I, in parentheses, I said, read Amplified. So Amplified says, I am your servant. Give me understanding, the ability to learn, and a teachable heart. And I think it was that teachable heart that you know, we all want to have. And if we're trying to be like Eve and, and be, I'll be wise, Lord, I'll be smart, Lord, you know, we're, we're so missing the boat, but having that teachable heart, that teachable spirit. Just shout out when you find that one, Kim. All right. Let me flip over real quick. Somebody's probably got a better version. Mike says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Tell me where it is and let me read it. In the Amplified. 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2. 15. Study and do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman tested by trial, who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling, and this is what you were talking about, Pat, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. You know, and it isn't it like the more you seek the Lord, the more he's there teaching you, having that open, teachable spirit, that open, teachable heart, that, and then the better you're become, you will become, the more skillful you will be at handling his word, the more you'll know when something isn't truth. So I went through and... I went through and I, I looked at what could be um, some things that we see today... And I read this article about deadly doctrines. So the, the author is talking about false teachings that we see in the world today. So Satan hasn't changed his tactics. Everything's the same. Um, and so it's, you see it today. The first one that I looked at was called the heretic. So in Second Peter, we just read through this. Second Peter 2, 2, um, 2 1 teaches that blatant contradictions um, of essential teachings, you know, that they are, to the Christian faith, just little um, kind of bits of truth, but then they're added to or taken away from God's word. So they sound like some truth, and if you don't know the word, it can easily be thought of as truth. Um, but it's where there's little bits of truth in it, uh, but it's not the truth. If you look in the church today, you're going to see the charlatan uses Christianity for personal enrichment. And if you go to 1 Timothy 6, um, 3 through 5,
It says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine and the teaching which is in agreement with godliness, God, godlessness, I'm sorry, godliness, personal integrity, and upright behavior. He is conceited and woefully ignorant, understanding nothing. He has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about the word, which produce envy, quarrels, verbal abuses, evil suspicions, and perpetual friction between men who are corrupt in mind and deprived of truth, who think that godliness is a source of profit, a lucrative money-making business, with withdraw from them. Truth? I mean, have you seen that? You know, people that are out for it, for a lucrative business? And, and even being around people that just want to argue for argument's sake about the word, to me that's confusing. It, it doesn't promote... Um, genuine love for our Christian brothers and sisters when we're picking apart things to argue about that don't need to be argued about. It's, I don't think it's the way God wants us to study the word if we're arguing with each other about it. Over here. Girlfriend, let's not watch YouTube videos right now, okay? husband. <laughs> leg crossed trying to walk, right? <laughs> yeah, people don't walk with their legs crossed. Okay. Um, the prophet. So sometimes you see these prophets out there. And boy, I'm telling you, right before and right after the election, if you went on YouTube, every prophet was out there. And I'm like, what? I never saw this so much of these people before. When did you become a prophet? You know? And um, Kim, do you want to look up First John 4? First John 4, 1. <coughs> and Pat, can you look up 2 Peter 2, 2? Sure. Go ahead. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So discernment is going to help you pick off a false prophet. For one thing, I say a prophet is never going to tell you something that goes against what's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, that's the final word. And a prophet will not go against what the Bible says. And I also, you know, people that get a word from God, oh, I've got a word for you, Carla. It's not going to be it's not going to be something that God hasn't already told Carla or doesn't confirm with Carla, I believe. You know, I think that God can speak to us. And it's not going to add to the Word. It's going to no, it's going to be in alignment with the Word. Exactly. It's not going to take away or add to what the Word says. And, and it's not going to be, Carla, I'm just telling you, girl, the Lord has spoken to me, and he wants you down at Walmart preaching the Word. <laughs> you know? I know you don't like to speak up in Bible study, but he's got you down there. Speaking the word on the corner at the Walmart. So, you know, maybe that lines up with God's word. You know, he wants us to, to share his word with everyone. But don't you think God's going to tell Carla that before he tells me? You know, I, I would think, I would hope so. 
mean, if that was a gift, we'd all be using it, right? Right. So I, I really feel like you have a gift. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And Tammy, I heard you have the gift of cooking my dinner tonight. <laughs> okay, then there's the abuser. Did I ask I asked you to do Second Peter, didn't I? Would you read Second Peter two? Yes. Two two. And many will follow their sensuality and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. So and and this one kind of tied with sexuality. I mean how many times have you have you seen this in the news where some pastor of a of a church has been you know sexually involved with the congregation and you know it's sad it's super super sad but it is a lack i think of discernment when pastor spoke this last week and said women should not be teaching men i'm sorry i do agree with him i think that that is the truth and i think it's a protection for women. That doesn't mean I can't talk about the Bible to men. Of course I can. Of course I can talk to men about the Bible. But I shouldn't be the primary teacher uh, of men to the Bible. I mean, I mean, it. I think it is a protection for women. Um, true. I mean, it goes right back to what the Bible says. I think it protects you from getting, I think women are more easily Easily can be undiscerning. That's me. And I think I'm pretty smart and hip. That's what I think about me. We, we generally are more emotional. Yeah. yeah. Easier, easier to lead astray. Although I don't know. I think, I think you'd have to... Yeah, it could be true. Um, then there's the divider. Divides brothers and sisters. Um... This is in Jude, I said Jude 18 through 21. There's only one book in Jude, so it's easy to find that one. Jude 18. They used to say to you, in the last days there will be scoffers following after their own ungodly passions. Did I get the right one? Um, these are the ones who are ag- agitators, causing divisions, worldly-minded, secular, unspiritual, carnal, merely sensual, unsaved, devoid of the spirit. You know, and you've seen what damage it has done when someone has come in and divided a church. How it breaks the people's heart in those churches that where there has been division. It is heartbreaking. I I was in a church when we lived overseas that um, the pastor had gotten involved with someone, the chaplain had gotten involved with another woman. It came in and split the whole church. And it was just, it was so, so painful. And so when we're looking at having discernment, it's looking at for those divisions. Is there is there someone causing division or is there a group causing division? You know, if it's something you don't agree with in a church, you know, I used to say in the school system, there's a lot of buses out there. Go get on one that is going the direction you want to go. This is the direction this one's going. You know, you should, if you're not finding that you have fellowship, you're not finding that you're being fed in a church, you're finding yourself not in a, a place where you're in agreement, there are, it's a church on every corner. 
don't divide the church, go find another church. Did that sound harsh? Because it didn't mean to sound harsh. It's better to find where you can be fed than to divide a church. I think division is a really um, ugly tool Satan uses. The tickler. Who would like to read? You know if you make an eye contact with me, that means you want to read. <laughs> uh, the word said Carla wants to read. Okay, well, I need someone to look up 2 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, 3, 3 and 4, and a 1 Timothy 1. Oh, wait, no, I got, yeah, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 3. Who needs to, Helen, are you good with looking it up? Can you see good enough back there? Did she turn the lights on for you? <laughs> okay, well, I'll give you time. What, no, that's okay. Can you look up 1 Timothy 1, 3 for me? Okay. And Marty, do you have a Bible with you? Nope, nope. Okay, no problem. Nope. You good? Okay, how about Hebrews 13.9? You are, you are allowed to say no. I'll move on. So I'm going to look up second. Did somebody look up second Timothy? Go ahead. Go ahead. Wait. Just, yeah. This is the tickler. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So the tickler, a man pleaser, not caring what God wants, someone who's afraid to speak the, the real truth of the word, you know, and you're the person that wants their ears tickled. Don't say harsh things to me. I don't want to hear that women can't be pastors of churches. I don't want to hear that. Then I would say, fact check that pastor. Fact check him. Go and see if that's what the word says. Because it doesn't really matter what pastor says. It matters what the word says. So, you know, don't be someone that has to have your ears tickled. Look and see what the truth says. What does the word say? And I tend to be this way myself as far as, I know it probably seems like I'm not this way, but there are times that I am very much like this, afraid to say the hard things. I have to massage my words in order to get them to be acceptable. And so I don't want to be like that. The word is what the word says, and I don't have to change it. I don't have to massage it. It's God's word. Especially if you're with people that you want to be accepted around. Yes. That's how I understand it. You know, it's like, wow, but that's what it says. That's what it says. If you're trying to say something that, you know, or the opposite, well, yeah, you know, maybe I didn't understand it right. You know, if you say it and it's harsher, they're like, yeah, and, you know, and then, so you're trying to fit in, you know. Yeah. Who did I give First Timothy to? Is that you, Mrs. Mrs. Don, Mrs. Helen? So First Timothy one three. Sorry, sorry, sweetie. Do you want me to read it for you, Helen? I am. 
First Timothy one three. There you, yeah. Tell us what it says. I'm looking at it in the Amplified, so you very well could be reading the right verse. Chapter 1, verse 3. Kim, is it the right verse? I, I don't think it is. Chapter 1, verse 3 of verse 2. No. Okay. Sorry. Come on, Corley, if you're going to be the helper. <laughs> we'll try to pick another helper next time. <laughs> Yes, you are. So this one, that's good. That's it. That's it. You did good. So this one here, I, I wrote down um, also Hebrews 13, 9. Do you have that one? Go ahead. So with this one, the speculator kind of obsesses over things that are novel. You know, everything has to be something new that's happening in the body today. You know, and really, it isn't. God's Word has been here a long time and has, and has been guiding us for a long time. So we don't have to have something new and hot off the press. His Word is enough and will, will teach us. The last verse that I wrote down was Matthew 7, um, Matthew seven fifteen, 
Beware of false prophets, teachers who come to you